Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this week is Bill Spatrino. Uh, he has a website, BillSpatrino.com, and he's also the editor of the Dividend Machine newsletter. Welcome to the show, Bill. Welcome, Jordan. Let's just start with your background and how you got to where you are today uh, and forming this uh, newsletter, The Dividend Machine. Uh, okay. Uh, I started out, like I said, as a regular person that had graduated from college. I got an accounting degree. I went out into the world, and I realized that I needed to uh, get started. The first day I came home as an accountant, you know, my dad said to me, I said, geez, I got a new job and everything. And he says, son, you got 45 more years of this get used to it and I thought geez I'm not going to be able to do this for 45 years so I decided to get involved and learn about different investments real estate you know which took a lot of money and interest rates were higher and then finally I fell into dividend machine you know dividend stocks and you know I bought the stocks my first check was about $43 and everybody laughed at me and you know my last check last month was higher than way a lot higher than the first salary I ever had at a job so I got, you know, I I did it. I, I I've done it the opposite of most people will tell you. You can't make money buying conservative stocks. Buy and hold doesn't work. Don't concentrate on a few stocks, and you know, don't use margin. I did all those things, but you know, if you know what you're doing, you know, it, it's like asking a uh, piranha in a tank whether they know how to fight or not. If they've been there for 20 years, obviously they know. So your experience is doing through your own portfolio, and then you figured you wanted to share this with others, and that's when you formed the Dividend Machine. How long has that newsletter been going? The newsletter's been about three and a half years. Um, what ended up happening was I started my own um, program, Bill Spetrino, it's S-P-E-T-R-I-N-O dot com, and um, I, I was doing that to help people learn how to trade and learn how to do things, and then uh, Christopher Ruddy, the head of Newsmax, contacted me and asked me if I wanted to help him with a newsletter. I said, oh, I don't know. I'm kind of retired now. and I don't know that I want to do it. And he said, well, you know, there's a lot of people out there that really need your help. You know, the market had crashed at the time. They had a person that was doing the newsletter before me that lost 50% of people's money. And I just said, you know, I said, I'm not a writer, though, Chris. I'm a stock guy. And he said, that's all right. I've heard of you. You know, you'll do fine. We have editors here. And the next thing that we know that the last three and a half years, every single conservative stock has, has been ahead. So that's worked out well for us. Let's kind of take a look at the overall environment for investors before we get into some of the specifics of your strategy. Uh, right now, the economy in the United States is growing a bit, about 2% or so. Uh, there's still a lot of fear out there, a lot of money on the sidelines. You've got all this worry about uh, the contraction in Europe. You've got the worry about the fiscal cliff in the United States. What is your assessment of the overall investing environment before we get into specifics? Um, the overall investing environment is kind of like, uh, it, it's not really, you know, people ask me this all the time. They say, what is the market going to do? And I always tell them if I knew that for sure. Um, it, I, I feel there's two Americas right now. There's an America that, you know, companies that, that deal with businesses overseas um, the big, I call them the top 50 or 60 companies, they're all doing fine because they sell all around the world. You know, China's growing at 7 or 8%, India, whatever. And then there's Joe America where, you know, he's trying to run a local business or something and doesn't have a huge advantage. Those people are, you know, to quote Joe Biden, are getting hurt. And it's really difficult for... You know, if you're a novice trying to do this, I feel very much sorry for you, okay, because the economy is not, it, it's worse than what people think. If you took out those top 50 or 60 companies, it, it, it really is, it, it's, it's a terrible environment. So for investors who, uh, in many cases, have been kind of gunshot, a lot of money has been being pulled out of stock mutual funds and not been put into them. People have been putting money into bonds. Is that fear? Uh, misplaced, or is it, it correct it, to be as fearful as they've been? No, they, you know, my idol Warren Buffett always says to be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. And, 
I am the opposite. I, I think anyone who buys a bond fund right now is is asking for to lose money. I mean, you're, you're you know what you're going to lose. You're going to lose money over time because interest rates will not stay this low, and the economy will not continue on this. I mean, we, we this this path is not sustainable, and I believe that. It, Things will be better going ahead forward, but you do have to need you need to know what to do. Certain companies will do fine. Uh, certain companies, like a company like Rim, I don't. I'm not as so sure about how they'll well they'll do. You know, but I, overall, I would not. I would not think that I could pick stocks, and I certainly wouldn't be in bond funds. I I think that you you need to be invested in stocks. Most of my stocks have been around since. Before the Great Depression, they've seen 18% interest rates. They've seen 25 to 30% unemployment. This is not, if you buy the right companies, it's, it's kind of like, you know, picking a spouse. You want to pick somebody that's going to be right for you for a long time. And if you pick the right person, it doesn't matter what the other, you know, 50 or 60% of the people might be getting divorced in America, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't get married. If you pick the right person, just like if you pick the right person to run your portfolio, you'll be fine. Okay, Bill. So, uh, sorry we were just disrupted there, but uh, let's get back to it. So, you were saying that uh, people putting money into bonds are really asking for trouble right now. So, what is the advantage of, of doing uh, higher-yielding dividend stocks compared to bonds in today's environment? Well, the big advantages you have is, number one, you have, you know, if you buy, let's say you were to buy a, a 2% 10-year Treasury bond, you're, going to, you're locking yourself in at 2%, number one. Number two, you don't really have chance for appreciation and unless interest rates go to 1% or a half a percent, which at some point they're not going to buy them. Whereas to me, if you buy a good dividend stock at 3 or 4%, they're going to raise the dividend. You know, If you pick the right ones, they could be raising the dividend every year for the next, let's just say, 10 years in the, in the case of a 10-year bond. And that dividend that's 4% might be 8 or 9% in 10 years. You know, I have, you know, my original first stock that I picked 19 years ago is paying me, and I think the dividend is close to 90% now. Wow, based you know, on the original price, you're saying? Well, based on the original price. Obviously, there's been splits and all that other thing. But the power of that, you know, like Warren Buffett, for instance, in 1989 bought Coca-Cola. He put in a billion dollars. Um, he's collecting right now about $375 million, 38% off of that, of his original price. And that doesn't count the reinvestment of the dividends. If you did that, the ratio would even be much higher. So, so you're saying that the compounding effect is something that people don't really realize the power of over a longer period of time. If they really did, if you understand, I mean, Albert Einstein said the most powerful force is compound interest. If you really understood it with dividends, it would change how you would live and think very, very much. So give us an example of uh, the, the power of compounding uh, dividends over time. Well, like I mentioned with the Coca-Cola, um, you know, Warren Buffett bought the stock 20 years ago put in a billion dollars. The three hundred and seventy five million that he's collecting in dividends now, which passed through his corporation eighty percent tax, you know, he only pays tax on eighty percent of it. Um, you just don't when you increase that like for instance, in nine in two thousand there is a stock that I that I know about. I put in ten thousand dollars into that stock. That stock now is paying it's worth a couple hundred thousand dollars, but if you would have reinvested the dividends, that ten thousand would be like uh, I think it's fifty six thousand or something. It, I mean, uh, fifty six hundred. It's like fifty six percent in only ten years. You know, twelve years. That that's powerful with the because you're buying. You know, when you're reinvesting the, the the dividends, you're buying shares cheaper, and over time, you know, I mean, the chances of a company like you take a, a regular company like IBM, which I don't personally own, but over time, their earnings are going to be much higher 10 years from now than they're going to be now. You know, it, it's, it's, it, it makes sense. You, the trick is, is buying IBM at the right price. Okay, IBM is not yet at the right price, in my opinion, so I don't own it. Yeah. 
Okay, well, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. Uh, my guest this hour is Bill Spatrino. Uh, he is the president of uh, BillSpatrino.com, and his newsletter is called The Dividend Machine at DividendMachine.com. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and is the co-founder of BR Public Relations, who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to The Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Bill Spatrino. Uh, he is the president at BillSpatrino.com. He also puts out a newsletter called The Dividend Machine. Uh, Bill, just tell them what they can get at BillSpatrino.com as opposed to the Dividend Machine uh, website. Uh, BillsPetrino.com is a private um, trading thing where you can – the difference between it and a newsletter is it's interactive. You can ask me a lot of questions. You can participate in the in the discussions where, as you know, with the newsletter, obviously, by law, I can't discuss things individually. And you can see my individual trades. And you can you have access to my to my library of it's been going on for a few years you know almost three years so you have your access to my library, whereas the dividend machine is just a newsletter it comes out weekly, and it comes out monthly so you get 64 issues, uh, it's done through Newsmax you can go on my website when you go to Bill's Petrino S P E T R I N O dot com you go to the right and it'll say you'll see a thing where you can click where it'll show you a different you know like how to get, I think, a 3,300% return. It's, it's the only advertisement on the page, and you get a special price, and you get a money-back guarantee. You know, the thing we stress with the newsletter, and I do this with BillsPetrino.com, is if people aren't satisfied, I want them to have I want this to be risk-free. You know, the only people that don't offer something like this are people that are dishonest or they're trying to scam you out of money, and, and that's not what we do here. And in the newsletter, you separate things into three different categories. Just tell us briefly what the categories are and what's the difference between the different kind of stocks on three different categories. Uh, thanks, Jordan. Uh, the main thing is our conservative portfolio, okay? When I started, that should be 80% of your portfolio, okay? Those are the stocks that we, you know, they're what I call the no-brainers, okay? If your funds are limited or you're not a person about risk, you just buy the conservative portfolio, you can put all your money into that. Um, like I said, we've had, I believe, 23 or 24 stocks that none of them have ever, none of them are ever down. Or they, they go down from time to time, but they're all positive right now, if I'm not mistaken. And some of them have gone up a couple hundred percent. Um, then we have the aggressive portfolio, and those are stocks that where 
you could possibly lose your capital, but you have better chances for gains, for higher gains. And then we have the international portfolio for people who want companies that are located outside of the United States. Um, like I said, my bread and butter is the conservative portfolio, but we, you know, we try to adjust to what the pe- the people kept asking for things. So we were, I said to myself, okay, uh, you know, I wasn't going to do it at first, but then they were starting to listen to people who were hurting them and losing them money. And I mean, you know, with the aggressive portfolio, we do have a couple that are down, but you know, overall, the, all the portfolios are doing fine. You know, they're all up way over 10% annually. Now, you were saying that they're listening to other people. There's a lot of advice out there, both on TV and radio and Internet sites. How can people separate the uh, the good advice they, that you know, you're giving and other people that you think are reputable versus the bad advice they're getting from newsletters and radio and TV that they're hearing all the time? Well, that's a great question. What you first want to do, the first rule of doing this, is you want to ask your prospective financial advisor how much their annual dividend income is and what their age is, okay? Somebody that's 75 years old that has ten or $15,000 worth of annual dividend income isn't as good as somebody who's 45 years old and makes $100,000 worth of dividend income. You know, uh... Well, you can't I, often I, ask people those questions. I mean, if you're hearing them on the radio or seeing them on TV, you can't ask them what their portfolio is like. Uh, no, that, that's true, but what you want to do is pick somebody who is reputable. Like, for instance... Our newsletter is followed by Mark Holbert. There's a Holbert Financial Digest, um, Digest, which is the, it's been around since 1980. It is the um, rating system for newsletters, and they rate you over a five-year period, a one-year period, ten-year period. And, I mean, Mark Holbert, they're owned by Money Watch. Um, they're very, rep- Mark Holbert is reputable. Last year, we were fortunate enough to be number one in the low-risk uh, portfolios in 2011, we were ranked number one. Um, I, I mean, the fact that we even get followed is is very big. Most newsletters don't even get mentioned. I think I, 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 there might be a hundred that he follows. I mean, he follows more, but he only puts a hundred. He only rates about I think around a hundred. But we have a good track record. I mean, and I, you know, I've shown my tax returns to my bosses and stuff. I obviously, if you were going to hire somebody personally. You know, not through a newsletter, but like a personal financial advisor, like a lot of these people do. I would ask. I mean, when I went to Newsmax, I showed them my tax return, and they saw that I didn't inherit any money, and that my dividend income was what I said it was. So, people who recommend stocks, assuming they're going to be huge gains, capital gains, you would be suspicious of if if these are companies that mostly are based on growth and not uh, paying little or no dividends. Yeah, I wouldn't do that because, I mean, think about it logically. If somebody really could pick, predict the future and compound their money at 20 or 30%, why wouldn't they start a hedge fund? You know, raise 80 or 90, you know, raise $500 million since you know it's going to happen, and then collect 2% fees and then get 20% of the, of the, of the profits. I mean, I, I just don't believe in my whole purpose of investing is that I want my investments to pay me money. I don't want to get involved in things that don't pay me. You know, doing this for capital gains purposes to me is gambling. And if if you can do that, that's great. But most people cannot do that. I can tell you that I don't think I can do it. And I think I have more skills than the average person does. Now, there's a potential threat to dividend-oriented stocks, which is, as of current law, which could change, on January 1st, uh, the uh, tax rate on dividends goes from 15% up to your regular income rates, which for higher-income people can be as much as 43%. Some people say that will crush dividend stocks and make people want to go out of them and go into capital gains-oriented stocks, which will be more favored tax-wise. What is your response to that? Most of those people that say that really don't know anything about investing. I mean, Warren Buffett wouldn't say that. John Paulson wouldn't say that. Um, most of the, the, the professional investors wouldn't say that. Uh, obviously, the pundits out there would. Um, my, my response to that is twofold. One, where else are they going to put their money? And number two, and most important, you know, my goal is to pay a million dollars a year in tax. I've never reached it. That means I'd make a minimum of two million. So I would be, you know, that's kind of my goal. I don't think it will it hurt the market and make the prices of the stocks go down slightly 
Perhaps. But, you know, a stock is worth what the income flow that it produces for me, the future income flow, what the stock market tells me the stock is worth. You know, I, I like to listen to what I call Mr. Market, where, you know, the market is here to serve me, not guide me. It tells me a good deal. Like when you go into a store, you see something that's 70% off, you're not scared at 70% off. You're happy because you're continuously, if you're a person who's well off you're and you own dividend stocks, you're constantly investing your money if you're a net saver. So you want the prices. I actually want the prices of my stocks that I like to be low, not high, because I can buy more of them. Would you recommend a dividend a dollar-cost averaging strategy where you're continuing to buy a stock, reinvesting the dividend, putting in additional money uh, no matter what the price is? No, no. See, that's the difference. What I do is I reinvest dividends in the best opportunity possible. See, it's investing is all about price, okay? Like, you and I could be friends, and I, but if you have a gas station and you say, Bill, the gas is $6 a gallon here, you would say, well, geez, Bill, I'm, I would say that, Jordan, you're my friend, but I'm not paying $6 for a gallon of gas. And you know, when you're investing, you want to make sure that you get the right company and you got to get the right price. And that's the mistake. That's the, that's the hard part. You know, investing is 50% art instinct and 50% science numbers. So how do you determine what's the so-called right price? Well, I, I have, I have about, I have a bunch of filters that I use, but invariably, you know, I have 18, I think it's 18 filters that I use that are statistical. Okay. That's the 50% numbers part of stock has got to have the numbers it's got to have the backing i can't just say well i feel good about it then invariably i'll take the stocks that meet my filter and then i will sit down and i'll say to myself okay where do i see these companies going who has an advantage and i'll sit down and that that's the tricky part that you can't teach somebody okay and that's why you need an advisor Okay, it's like a newborn, you know, a mother that's had three children. How does the mother know when the child is crying because they're hungry, they want attention, or, you know, they need to have their diaper changed, okay? You know that from being a mother, and it's the same thing with being an investor. I know, I've read, I spend 50 to 100 hours on every stock that I recommend, minimum. And some of the stocks I've spent over 1,000 hours on over the last 20 years, easily. So that's not something the average person could do, spend that kind of time on on stock. So in addition to subscribing to Dividend Machine and your newsletter, how can they do their research to find which stocks they want they should be buying? Well, first of all, you, you you would have to have an instinct. If you if I had to tell somebody a rule to buy, I would tell them the two things I would tell them the most is I I would let them look for a dividend paying stock. Okay, then I would look, let them understand things. They should buy things they understand. Okay, if you're a doctor, you should be buying pharma companies, not oil stocks. Okay, if you're a novice investor, you're brand new, you should start with companies like IBM. Go in your, your cupboard and look at companies like Kraft. Look at companies like Pepsi-Cola. Look at companies that you can understand and that you can get a feel for. And then, you know, at that point... The other thing I recommend is that you get involved in either consumer goods companies or big pharmaceutical companies. You know, from 1957 to 2003, 18 of the top 20 companies in this S&P 500 were either big pharma or consumer goods companies when you took reinvested dividends involved. And a lot of that is because people think those stocks are boring, so they yield a higher amount, but they don't understand that the power of the dividends increased help it out big time. So those are some industries. What are some other vehicles that you like in addition to stocks for dividends? For example, do you like preferreds? Do you like master limited partnerships? What are some of the other ways of earning high dividends that you would might, might uh, like? I think that the average person, I personally, preferreds and mastered limited, preferreds are something that I think you really you got to be really skillful to know when the dividends are real and when the you know you're buying. I had a person that bought the preferreds, I think, in GM, and they lost it all. Okay, you have to know what you're doing. 
I wouldn't. Re- I would recommend the average person sticking with common stock that they know that has been around for fifty plus years. And if you bought them yourself, I think you would outperform most of the so-called experts. But you wouldn't. You you wouldn't know when to buy them. Okay, and that your your return might be seven percent compounded instead of. 20% like like me and the difference between 7% and 20% is enormous okay one doubles your money every 10 or 11 years one doubles your money every three and a half years over time that that's a huge difference okay we're going to take a break this is Jordan Goodman with the money answer show my guest uh, today is Bill Spatrino uh, his website is billspatrino.com he also writes a newsletter called the dividend machine and we'll be back after this Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Rivez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Bill Spatrino. Uh, His website is BillSpatrino.com. He also puts out a newsletter called The Dividend Machine. Welcome back to the show, Bill. Thanks, Jordan. We were talking about another form of high-yield stock that's quite popular these days, which is master limited partnerships, which tend to own energy infrastructure like pipelines and storage facilities. They have yields of 5 and 6% and raise their dividends consistently. Is that something that you would recommend uh, to people who want dividends? Uh, personally, I don't like them for the reason that, you know, I'm an accountant. You know, the problem with master limited partnerships is 95% of the money, gets, has, by law, has to get paid out to the, to, to the investor. And see, you don't get the growth that you need. I would rather have a company that pays me a 3% or 4% dividend withhold maybe that's 40% of their or 50% of what their total earnings are, and they can use the rest of the money to buy back their shares to, to reinvest in the future. I, I, I'm not – I've looked at a few master limited partners, but right now I like stocks much better. Right, so let's talk about the, the actual procedure. You, you talked about the 18 and some of it being gut and some of it being numbers. You go through that. How should the average person pick stocks? Should they pick industries first, look at dividend records? What is something the average person can do to pick the kind of stocks that end yeah. up in your portfolios? Yeah, I think the average person, should, like I said, should start with something that they understand. Okay, first of all, if you don't understand something, if you're new, like, 
you know, if you had to understand Pepsi, okay, Pepsi is a very easy product to understand. Now they sell the, the, the chips or they sell the, the different snacks that go with it. But you understand if you drink Pepsi, you'll understand if the new product that's coming out is something that you like. Okay, like Warren Buffett, liked, he, he drank Pepsi all his life, never owned the stock. Then he switched. They tried Cherry Coke with him 20 years ago. He liked it and uh, put a billion dollars into it. He had, he had drank Coke for 50 years, never bought a penny, bought any stock of it, and then put it in. And now, you know, obviously you want to get a dividend that's decent, and you want to get, you know, you'd like to get a couple percent on your dividend at least, and you'd like to get the earnings per share. You, you really don't want to buy something that's earning 15 or, you know, 16 or 17 times earnings. You know, you, you, you want to try to think of the money that's coming back as a future outflow. And, you know, what I think is the best for people is that when you see a stock that everybody thinks is going to be, that is bad or that has a problem, then you want to jump into it. Like, for instance, Facebook, you know, when it first came out, everyone asked me, Do you, would you invest in this? I said, no, um, I wouldn't. But I said at some price I would. Now, Facebook went down to about 18 or 19, and one of the people in my com said to me, he said, Bill, I'm gonna, this stock's going to go down to five. I said, it'll never make it to five because I'm going to buy it before it gets to five. Now, at the price I wanted to buy it, it didn't get there quite, but it's now it's rebounded off that. Um, Even though they're not paying a dividend, you would still do something like that? I would buy Facebook personally because I my dividend machine is developed already. My I you know I more than can pay my bills. I can afford to speculate a bit, but I again I wouldn't buy Facebook if I was just starting and I didn't build a dividend machine yet. I would pick a dividend paying stock of two or three percent and try to pick it myself. And and you would probably be do better than the average person. But again, you wouldn't do better than I would. You know, because you don't know, you haven't spent 50, and then I would spend at least 50 hours studying the stock. And someone says to me, Bill, I don't want to spend 50 hours. I said, well, then you need to subscribe to either my dividend letter, which is less than $100, or you need to find somebody who can can do this for you because you you really can't, you know, you, you won't know what I know, and you won't know when to buy something. Sometimes a stock drops because there's a real problem, and sometimes it drops because for no for no real no real reason, just because some fund manager decided to sell it. What do you think about uh, mutual funds who follow the same strategy you do, which is kind of a dividend growth strategy? Because uh, Vanguard and Fidelity and T. Price all have mutual funds today that are kind of dividend growth as their their strategy. Is that a Another way to accomplish the same things that you are doing? Well, it, it's it's kind of a it's not really the right way to. I mean, it's better than doing nothing. But to me, I'll give you an example. Jeremy Siegel is a very knowledgeable person. They quote him on TV all the time about, and he knows more about dividend stocks than I do. Unfortunately, he tried to start the Wisdom Tree Fund. And right away, he bought two companies that cut or eliminated their dividends. And that's, you know, like I said, he's like the rat in a trap that decides he doesn't like cheese anymore. Okay, he he, he didn't know what companies were traps and what companies weren't because he's not a real investor. He's a college professor. He goes on the TV and portrays himself that he's a genius. And he might be a genius at knowing the history of stocks, but he... I can I can assure you that he cannot compound his money at 18 or 20 percent annually. Not saying I could do that all the time. That's what I've averaged. But he, you know, he's not. These funds give you a false sense of that everything's okay. That these people know. And there's certain. Obviously, there's fund managers. There's a man named Bruce Berkowitz who does very good. He's one of my idols. Um, he's an extremely good guy. He runs the Fairhome Fund. You know, I would trust Bruce Berkowitz, but two years ago he had one of his worst years ever. That is, that's part of the game. You know that you're you're not going to win every game the same way a football team that wins the Super Bowl usually loses a couple games per year. 
But no, I, I, I would be careful on what I, you know, I would choose everybody's record and I would see, you know, I would, I, I would do a lot of research. You know, most people spend more time researching their vacations or they're buying a car than they do their stock portfolio. And that's really sad. Yeah. Is one of the main criteria you're looking for is not only the rate of dividend, but the, that it's growing. You have to have the dividend going up every year. Is that one of the key criteria you're looking for? Well, you would, you would like that in theory. Yes, you would like that to be happening. And it doesn't always happen. It, it should, but it doesn't always happen. You know, you want to see the growth in the dividend. Yes, that's, that's very insightful, Jordan. You, you're looking for the growth, and you're looking, you're trying to pick, you're trying to visualize. The trick to this is trying to visualize where you're going to be five years from now, okay? You know, everybody wants to look, like I said, you, you take a company like RIM, a lot of these people that use just pure, pure numbers, they look at how the stock did the last five years. Well, I've talked to hundreds of people with Blackberries, and they, Give, they're giving their black, black, blackberries up for iPhones now. I can't decide. You know, you you can learn things yourself. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about a stock that I used to own, but I don't own anymore, called Verizon. My computer man came over to fix my computer, and I said to him, "He lives about 20 minutes away. I live about 10 minutes outside of Cleveland." And he said to me, "I said, what kind of phone do you have? An iPhone?" He said, "No, Verizon doesn't cover it." I said, "Well, why don't you have AT&T?" He says. I don't get a signal. Now, this is 20 or 30 minutes outside of Cleveland. So I deduced that the only one that gives a signal is Verizon. So I purchased the stock. And, you know, this is a supposedly a conservative stock. And we made over 70% on it with the spinoff and everything. And I, I don't think I even held it a year. And I, you know, it was a 70% profit, you know. And I, I, I pulled it off because, and it's still gone up slightly, but I pulled it off because Verizon you know the dividend yield was i think 7 or 8% when i bought it and now it's 4 or 5% and there's other 4 or 5% stocks that i like better you know it's not that i think Verizon's going to go down or lose i just you know you don't have unlimited capital so i had to pick the ones that i think are the best and a 70% return in less than a year is and a conservative stock like Verizon you know it's other people can make 70% or double their money but they're really putting themselves at risk like Verizon obviously had a niche that somebody explained, you know, that he explained to me, and that's how the average person could, could you know, could, could do this. So, so far we've talked about the food industry, uh, we've talked about drugs, uh, we've talked about telecommunications. What are some of the other industries where you tend to find the stocks that meet your criteria? Well, it, it's weird for me. I end up finding the stocks that are the most boring, okay, like, when everybody wanted to buy Verizon, I didn't like it. Okay, um, recently I've I've got I've never bought a financial until after the financial crisis, and then I started buying them because they were inexpensive. Uh, I never bought a tech company until a few years ago, and now I have I think four or five of them in there. But they're the ones I've picked were all much more popular years ago than they are now, and you know you're trying to guess which ones. You know, I don't recommend the average person play with tech because, you know, it's it's kind of unless you really understand and you can you can delve down into the financial statements, you're going to have a problem. So, so you generally do not recommend technology stocks. You're saying I don't. I think that consumer goods and pharmaceuticals, like I said before, if you don't know anything, okay, about investing, and you go through your refrigerator, and you start choosing companies. Uh, I, I don't own Kraft anymore. I used to. Um, you know, Kraft did well for me, okay? I mean, Kool-Aid is not going to be obsolete. Uh, Planter's Peanuts is not going to be obsolete. Okay, DiGiorno Pizzas are not going to be obsolete. Okay, you, you're just, lifesavers are not going to be obsolete. I, you're just, you, you have to understand that you're, that what you're trying to do is figure out what companies will do good no matter the times are whether times are good or times are bad. Think about your product and will people use it? And will they pay a premium? What advantage does your company have in the business as well? Okay, and is the business profitable? Some businesses, you know, like for instance the supermarket business, okay, it's like being the tallest person, you know, in, in the second grade, that doesn't make just because you're the tallest person doesn't mean you're ready to play for the the Knicks or the Lakers. Okay, you know certain businesses are better than other businesses, and 
in the consumer goods and the pharmaceutical businesses. Because when you think about it, what does it cost to make, um, you know, the mix for, you know, Kool-Aid? It's, it's, once they have the recipe, it's very inexpensive, okay? And people don't generally like to buy generic, you know, they, they'll buy the Kool-Aid because the Kool-Aid maybe is 10 cents a pack or 15 cents a pack. You know, you have to know your, you have to know your businesses. When you're looking at companies internationally, uh, are there different things you look for than the domestic ones? Are there currency translations or the uh, legal environment of the home country? What, what are some of the things you look for in the international companies that might be different than domestic ones? That is a great question. I have to tell you, I really do not like international companies. Um, you know, Mr. Ruddy, Chris Ruddy, had told me that he wanted to do this because we have, you know, I have people... Uh, I'm told that we're in 60 or 70 countries. I don't even know. And a matter of fact, one of my good clients who's part of BillsPetrino.com and he wanted to learn trading, he lives in Singapore, and he believes that we should market more to Asians because they do not like, as a group, the people in Singapore do not like to risk. And But, see, their, their stock markets are very hard. Their financial statements are not like they are in the United States. Okay, like Chinese stocks, people will say to me, do you like Chinese stocks? I said, I don't because they're, you know, people will criticize the United States of America. And it's not just China. It's not just Germany. It's not just Spain. The United States is a rule of law. When you pick up their financial statements, you can be assured that they're, the big companies are all reporting things the way they should be reported, whereas... Okay. In other countries, it's not the, it's not, that's not the case. Okay, we have to go to a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Bill Spatrino of BillSpatrino.com. His newsletter is called The Dividend Machine. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Bill Spatrino. His website is BillSpatrino.com. He also puts out a newsletter called The Dividend Machine, and you can find about that at DividendMachine.com, although it's better to go to BillSpatrino.com and get through it that way. Welcome back to the show, Bill. Thank you. Um, on the macro basis, <clears throat> the Federal Reserve has been pumping a lot of money into the economy through the so-called quantitative easing program. Uh, do you think that's a, a good idea, and is that helpful uh, to the kind of dividend-oriented stocks you're in favor of? Um, you know, I, I, I think that I, I liken Ben Bernanke to a hockey goalie whose defenders don't protect him. 
you know, the Congress was supposed to work on a balanced budget or a budget at all. They haven't done it. Okay, they they try to blame it. Everyone tries to blame it on everyone else. The fact is that both parties, the president, the Congress, the House, they haven't come up with. A, they don't even do a budget. The president had two budgets. He didn't get one Democratic vote, let alone Republican vote. I mean, Ben Bernanke is he's made interest rates. Do I like quantitative easing? No, but I don't know how else to get people. You know, I've invested a lot more money than normal because I'm borrowing money very at a very low price. If you set money at the price it should be at, which is probably 2% higher, I would have less money invested, and that would goof up the economy. So I don't want to criticize Mr. Bernanke. for. If you have criticism of him, that's great. But, you know, I always ask people, what else would you do? You know, we have too much uncertainty and you know, after this election, one way or another, we will have certainty one way or another. I mean, to some extent, he's trying to force people into dividend-oriented stocks by keeping rates on money market funds and CDs at zero. He's forcing people to take risks, so that should be helping uh, the kind of stocks that you're recommending, dividend-oriented stocks where they raise their dividends. So it should be very positive for your kind of stock. It's a positive thing, but a lot of people have incorrectly said that the reason my portfolio went up like the first year, people said, well, it went up because the market went up. Then in 2011, I selected three stocks last year. In 2011, one went up, I think, 60, one went up 20, and one went down 10%, but, uh, and it's subsequently higher. Um, you know, it, it's, if you buy the right stocks, you'll be okay. But I think that, you know, quantitative easing is not the reason the entire stock market it might be some stocks are boosted because of it but some of them are not it you know companies that don't borrow any money really quantitative easing hasn't helped them it's it's buoyed the stock market itself but you know actually i could argue that it's hurt some of my companies because i would like to buy back they buy back their shares every quarter and i wish they were buying back their shares much cheaper some would say that the quantitative easing eventually is going to lead to a lot of inflation because they're printing so much money and putting it out there. If you got much higher inflation than we have today, uh, would that be good or bad for the kind of dividend-oriented stocks you, you favor? Well, the beautiful part about investing in stocks is that inflation helps you. Okay, just like I have a lot of stocks that ha- that that do a lot of business outside the United States. And people say to me, are you worried about inflation? I said, well, I'm not really worried about inflation here yet because, you know, we don't manufacture things like other countries do as much, although we should. And I don't feel that, like, for instance, wage inflation, you know, some things are more expensive to buy, like food. There's certain things, you know, concert tickets, they're all more than they were 20 years. 30 years ago, but for instance, you know, 25 years ago, I bought a $70,000 condo and paid 13% interest on my, on that condominium. That's, you know, I was paying $9,100 a year in interest. Okay. Not to mention locking in an expensive rate. That same condominium is selling for 120,000 now, but you can get a three and a half percent, you know, mortgage where your your interest payment is 4000 not 9000 and you know if you were a starting accountant like I was 25 years ago you're making double the money so i don't think that infl- inflation is not anything that i if you own good common stocks if there's inflation your investment will move up with it whereas if you were stuck if you're stuck in cash the dollar has come down for 50 or 60 years. I would not have a lot of my money in cash. I would have enough money so that I have three to five years living expenses, and everything after that I would have into dividend-paying stocks. Okay, I want to talk a little bit more about financial advisors. We talked earlier about how financial advisors recommending stocks should have done it themselves, but in addition to that, what are some things that people should look for and avoid in picking financial advisors? Well, what you want to do is you want to pick somebody that, you know, is transparent, obviously. You want to pick somebody who's competent. However, somebody famous is not necessarily somebody competent. Okay, Susie Orman has made millions of dollars advertising what she can do for people, but the fact is she recommended that that stocks were a good buy when the S&P was 13,000 or 14,000, but they were a terrible buy when it was 7,500, and she's admitted she keeps her money into, you know, 
into risk-free assets, well, that's great when you have $100 million or $20 million or whatever she has, but that's not great for the average person. And what you mentioned before, which was very insightful, is Ben Bernanke was doing people a favor by telling them to get into stocks. Okay, this, you know, the market is not overvalued. If you pick a stock today and you pick the right one, chances are you'll do fine over time, you know, depending on how long you hold it. What hurts most people is they want to jump in and out. Pick your stocks like you pick your best friend or you pick your spouse. You pick them that it doesn't matter that a few things go wrong. You want to pick something, some investment that you want to, that you're comfortable owning 10 or 20 years down the road. How about some of the, I mean, some of the stocks you have in your portfolio have run into trouble and, and serious trouble, not just uh, temporary where their businesses have gone down. How do you know when to stay with them and when something fundamentally has gone wrong and, and they're really not doing well? Well, that was a very good, you know, I have two stocks that are doing poorly, okay, in my, in, in, not in my conservative. They, they, I put these in, they're both, I don't want to name them, but they're both retailers. And I, over, you know, I underestimated, I thought the president would move closer to the center. He didn't do it. It's not, I'm not making an excuse. I was wrong. Um, the reason I'm keeping these stocks now is because I feel that we're going to have a change, and I think that the stocks will do better when the economy is going to do better going forward. These stocks should recover. I don't know that they'll recover 100%, but their odds, you know, when you have the wind at your back, you have a much better chance for things. But I'm very optimistic about America and uh-huh. American stocks. Okay. Uh, all right, so um, you basically said, and, and putting the average portfolio together, how many stocks, dividend-producing stocks, would be recommended to have a well-diversified portfolio? Well, that's a great question. I mean, see, everyone talks about diversification. The fact is there are certain companies that, you know, uh, and I'll name one, Berkshire Hathaway that's owned by Warren Buffett. You know, it owns Coke. It owns a bunch of bank stocks, and this is all public knowledge. I mean, it owns Geico when you see the Gecko commercial. It owns Dairy Queen. I mean, if you just, now that stock doesn't pay a dividend, okay? But, you know, that stock is diversified, okay? There are many companies that are, I think that if you choose, you know, you, you can have as little as three or five. It, it depends how much money you have. You know, if you only have $30,000 or $50,000, and I don't mean that derogatorily, I started with 8000 um, you know, you really can't spread it out amongst 10 stocks, okay? It doesn't okay. really make sense to do it. And you don't know about 10 stocks. You know, when you first start, you should start with the two or three that you feel the most comfortable with. That, you know, your trick is okay. not to lose your money. Okay. Unfortunately, we're out of time, Bill. My guest uh, during this hour of the Money Answer Show has been Bill Spatrino. Uh, you can find my, more about him at his website, which is BillSpatrino.com. His newsletter is called The Dividend Machine. Thanks so much for being a guest on the Money Answer Show, Bill. Thank you very much, Jordan. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.